All right. Good afternoon and happy Friday. We are live with Cuyahoga Today, special edition with Sydney Dempsey, chair of the Cuyahoga County Democratic Women's Caucus. And I'm Ellen Cubitt. Thank you so much for being here, Sydney. I am so excited to have this conversation. We are going to talk about issue one on the ballot, November 7th. And in general, we're going to talk about a variety of different uh, sort of reproductive freedom, political topics, and ultimately abortion. So let's go ahead and get started, which is what is going on? What is this mess that we're in? What are we expecting in November? And I know you and I could talk about this for hours, but let's just focus on since June 2022. Okay, thank you so much for inviting me here today. So how did we get to where we are today? So as you said, it's all started in June of 2022 with the job decision when Roe v. Wade was reversed. And immediately, um, Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost wasted no time in filing to get this extreme six-week abortion ban. There was a stay on it. But he went to court based on the job decision and had that um, stay removed. So immediately the six-week ban went into effect. It's very extreme. There was no exceptions for rape or incest. Incest. So immediately women and grassroots activists, physicians across Ohio started to rally and protest because of the consequences of that six-week ban. And out of that energy and anger, there was a decision to bypass the legislature and put a constitutional amendment, um, which would protect abortion rights. So 700,000 plus signatures were collected due to activists across the state submitted and was successfully put onto the ballot in November. Unfortunately, Frank LaRose, who is a very partisan and self-serving, decided along with the Republican uh, legislature, legislators said he they had to do something to stop that effort. So they then voted on a special election in August, which would be an attempt to raise a threshold for passage. Um, it was a power grab. Ohioans were outraged. And fortunately, because everybody came together, we stopped that power grab. And then fast forward, uh, we have it on the ballot in November. And that would be a vote to put that uh, reproductive access to reproductive freedom into the Ohio Constitution. And that's where we're at today. That was, Sydney just took us through a year and a half of really intense organizing in history with like one breath. But yes, that was an excellent way to describe it. We had the right to abortions overruled federally. We had to sort of take it into our own hands across the state, take it from the courts to the legislative and through the people power. There was a petition put out. I think you had even talked about over 700,000 Ohioans signed this petition to codify reproductive freedom. And yeah, we also overcame a power grab by the supermajority Republicans in August to steal our ability to put citizens-led constitutional amendments. We won that, and now we got November 7th on our minds to actually pass reproductive freedom in Ohio. Now, Sydney, I know you were super involved in those petition efforts. Can you give us just a little bit of a summary of just all the organizing you did, all the different communities that you know that we reached, and just what that experience was like. 
So it was truly an, an incredible effort of grassroots effort. Um, it was a combination of unions. It was um, existing abortion rights groups. It was um, independent organizing groups. It was actually Ohioans from both Democrats. You know, there were Republicans, I won't say the Republican Party, but there were libertarians, there were Republicans, there were people who saw what was happening and wanted to stop it in terms of the power grab. As far as the petition, um, what you saw was people really, Ohioans overwhelmingly want to protect a woman's right to choose. And so that is why um, collecting signatures was not difficult at all. People were everywhere you went, you saw people collecting signatures. And that's because people understand that Women, individuals need to make these personal health care decisions with their physicians without interference by extremist politicians. So people knocked doors, they stood at events, they made phone calls, we held, uh, uh, we would be at coffee shops at, you know, venues everywhere, and people gladly signed. So that's why it was a really tremendous effort. And then the celebration of that victory was just wonderful to, to feel. Absolutely. And I mean, going back even to sort of what we were asking people to sign, you know, abortion politics, it's been it's Ohio has been ground zero for this in the many sort of years. We've gone back and forth over just ridiculously misguided legislation that the supermajority Republicans have been pushing. All of this misinformation that they're trying to push out and what abortion is and what abortion isn't. And all of this organizing was around an, an amendment that was specifically for uh, – different sort of in vitro fertilization, protecting vitro fertilization, birth control, um, ensuring that abortion can be accessed under rape and incest. Can you talk a little bit more about what the petition said and then also just this drama in terms of what happened with what the ballot is also going to say? Sure. So the repro- uh, the right to reproductive freedom amendment is comprehensive. It's about not just um, access to abortion, it's miscarriage care. It is contraception. You're right, it concerns in vitro um, fertilization as well. And so it is an attempt to allow women with their doctors and also to allow doctors to practice medicine, do what they've been trained to do without fear of criminalization. And Ohio, as you noted, has long been chipping away at Roe and doing everything they can to make it very hard for individuals to um, access abortion if necessary. So so the reversal of Roe was just gave them the, what they needed to just almost completely ban abortion. And the unfortunate thing is that while the the amendment is very clear and specific on what it contains, and everybody saw it and had the opportunity to see it when they signed a petition. Frank LaRose, again, self-serving, partisan, uh, opportunistic Frank LaRose. Tyrant. Tyrant, with the two other Republicans who sit on the ballot board. There are five people on the ballot board, three Republicans, two Democrats. And when the issue of what would appear on the November ballot was posed, he decided to take the amendment and totally confuse Ohioans, um, use it as a piece of propaganda to deceive and mislead Ohioans. So what people will see on the ballot is not actually reflective of the amendment itself. So that was challenged. But unfortunately, 
originally only a minor change was made in in the lawsuit where we challenge the language but people need to know that the amendment itself is highly visible you can go to readtheamendment.com and see for yourself what the amendment actually says and the irony is that the summary language on the ballot is actually longer than the amendment mm -hmm. so the so-called summary language that is what frank larose did yes and we want to repeat that for all listeners readtheamendment.com. If you're wondering what you're voting on, that is the truth. We know when it comes to topics of reproductive freedom, the supermajority Republicans are constantly trying to do different scare tactics. They're trying to put all of this information, mess inform, misinformation out. Um, as somebody who has escorted uh, clients and physicians at preterm uh, Cleveland's Cleveland Proper's only abortion clinic, you see the sort of disgusting rhetoric, the graphics that they try to use, that the images they try to exploit of a reality that just is simply not indicative of reproductive freedom. Right. Right. And so now they're going around saying all of these different things. They love to use different words like dismemberment, painful, when we know this is one of the safest medical procedures there are. Right. But and also just to touch on what they're doing in terms of lies and misinformation, there's nothing that in the amendment at Itself that says anything about parental consent. It does not address that. There is nothing in that that addresses gender affirming care. It doesn't say that. And thirdly, there is no such provision for abortion on demand up to birth. Those those are the commercials on television are lies. They're meant to scare people and deceive them. And we need to make sure that people know that it has nothing to do with what is actually in the language contained in the um, amendment. Absolutely. And uh, opponents of reproductive freedom, if you're listening now, turn this off, actually. Don't even listen to us. We don't like you. Uh, so anyway, so what's going on now? We are about to uh, voting is about to start. Yes, thank you. October finally, 11th. Yes, I, I can't wait. So I'm counting the days. I plan to be there very early Tuesday morning I down at the board. Yes, down at the Board of Elections. We will be there bright and early with cider and donuts. Come on down. Um, we'll be celebrating the, the finally Ohioans taking it into their hands what we want. This is a direct form of power so that when we vote, we can actually influence what will happen going forward. And so you can, it's so easy easy to vote early. You can come down in person. There's a parking lot. They've actually opened two additional parking lots at the Board of Elections. There are different hours. You can check on their website, or you can request your vote by mail um, application and send it in and get it back there. You can drive it up if you don't want to waste a stamp. You can drive by. There's a 24-hour secure drop box. You can stick in both your application and then your ballot. So this is time for us to, to do what we think is right for all Ohioans and not allow the extremist um, politicians, the supermajority Republicans, who are not reflecting what the majority of Ohioans want um, in Ohio, and I just want to say something: the cruelness of the of the ban is is was in the national spotlight when a ten year old mm -hmm. rape victim, a rape victim, was forced to be taken to Indiana to get the care that she needed, and the whole country saw that. And that is really is just one example of the extreme cruelty of that six week ban, which will go back into effect if 
issue one loses. I mean, and I think they're even hearing court cases on that again. Um, And it it frankly could even go into effect before we get to vote on this, which is just a a reality we simply cannot have. And just to sort of reiterate some of those important dates and details that Cindy mentioned. So voter registration deadline for the November election is October 10th. Early voting begins October 11th. October 31st, absentee ballot request is the ballot absentee ballot request deadline, excuse me, and November 7th is the election day. These are incredibly important dates. Put them on your phone, put them on your fridge, do whatever you can to remember. Tell your friends, tell your cousins, tell your parents, tell your, well, tell anybody, honestly, anybody you see on the street, you tell them. And it's been a busy, busy week here at Cuyahoga County headquarters. There's been 20,000 signs that have gone out. Tens of Thousands more doors getting hit across the state of Ohio and postcards going out in the hundred thousands. And uh, I know, Cindy, you're going to be there Wednesday morning when early voting begins. I'm going to see you there with my reproductive freedom gear, thanks to the Women's Caucus. Um, But what else can we do? What else can we do to bring this home? So, um, as you said, the most important thing you do is talk to people, remind them, tell them what issue won. There's all kinds of issues and other issues on the ballot. There's also candidates on the ballot. Those are all important. But you've got to explain to people, yes, on issue one, because the one concern that most of us have is that there's confusion. While we push no, 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 no on August 8th, now we've had to switch gears and say yes on issue one. And that was by design. I am sure that no one should be surprised that sneaky biggest loser Frank LaRose arranged that. So we need to make sure that people understand yes on issue one. So that means talking to people, talking to your family. Don't assume any, anybody knows that. You have to tell them. If you want to write postcards, there's lots of opportunities. If you want to put a yard sign um in your yard that shows everybody what you stand for. The Women's Caucus is having a giveaway tomorrow morning on Larchmere 12611. Come pick them up. We're not asking for any charge. If you want to give a donation, we want to get those out there. If you want to, like I said, write postcards, make phone calls, anything you do helps. It does make a difference. And this is our one big chance. This is our last chance in Ohio, folks. And loser LaRose, you lost in August, you're going to lose in November. And guess what? You're going to lose in March, too, exactly. because we're not going to forget and we're coming for you. Sydney, thank you so much. I always love talking with you. And I think just to wrap up, honestly, I'd love to, you know, we got two generations here of abortion organizers. How do we keep this going? Because we know this isn't over even after November 7th. Even when we win on November 7th, we know this isn't over. How do we keep this going multi-generational and prove that women absolutely deserve access to reproductive freedom? It affects all of us. For those of us who've been fighting for it for years, we thought that we were pretty much, uh, you know, in safe in the sense that, you know, Roe v. Wade was there and it was a federal protection. However, what we saw in Ohio and other states, we saw chipping away. And so it, we are angry and ready to march again and stand up, but it also affects all women of all ages. And I think that for younger women who just took it for granted and thought this will never change, they're seeing now this has real life implications for their health, 
and for their lives and the choices their family makes and for economics. So all of us have to stay vigilant. It's really important. It's for all of us to care. Even if you think it won't affect you, it might affect someone that you know. And it really can be a question of life and death. And if you think that obstetrician and gynecologists are going to want to come to practice in Ohio or in any state where there's extreme bans, they're not. And that has been proven already. Why would they come to a place where they might be criminalized for medical procedures that they've been taught? That's All right, we're going to end this off with solidarity, solidarity, solidarity for reproductive freedom. You know what? In some ways, we're just getting started again. Thank you, Sydney, as always. Thank you. Yes on issue one. Yes on issue one. I'm sitting with Dr. Tani Maholtra, who is an OBGYN, whose passion is healthcare policy and advocacy. Welcome to Cuyahoga Today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is a very important discussion. Um, we have a very important election coming up here in November. Let's remind everybody why they wanted to vote yes on issue one in November. Doctor, what is an abortion? So um, I am a maternal fetal, I'm an OBGYN, but I'm a maternal fetal medicine doc. Um, what that means is I care for patients with complicated pregnancies. Those can be pregnancies that, those can be complications that patients come into pregnancy with, so hypertension, diabetes, lupus, or they can be uh, pro- problems that arise in pregnancy, whether that's problems with the fetus or problems um, that complications of the pregnancy resulting from the pregnancy, things like preeclampsia. Abortion is just a part of providing the full spectrum of reproductive health care. It's just another medical procedure that is provided by, um, by OBGYNs. It's just the same, you know, I had, I have so many different patients, so many different, every patient has their own story. I've had patients come in with extremely wanted, desired pregnancies. And they come in, you know, everyone comes in really excited for these ultrasounds. They're always, you know, they're excited. They're like, oh, I'm gonna find out the sex of the baby. And they come in and, um, you know, we walk into that room and have to give them this devastating news that, that can be, you know, there. there's no brain or there. there is an abnormality there that is not compatible with life outside the uterus. It's an, ex- an extremely devastating moment for those families. Normally, we're able to give them the choice. Like, look, you have a couple different options. We can do some tests. We can figure out what's going on so you have a better idea of what the likelihood of survival is or not. You can choose to continue the pregnancy or you can, can, you can choose to end the pregnancy. But ultimately, there's a choice. Different patients make different choices based on their values, based on their families, based on what their needs are. But that's their choice. And it's not just about, it's not just about fetal anomalies. It's about, I've had patients who have had IVF pregnancies and then developed preeclampsia in the middle of their pregnancy and it's either their life that's it, right? Like either they terminate the pregnancy or they choose death. Mm-hmm. And those are difficult moments. There are people will choose abortion for a variety of different reasons, but ultimately it's just a medical procedure. Can you tell me why this issue is so important? Mothers are faced with the issue of having an abortion, yet there's legislation coming down from uh, go- government, state and federal that are trying to prevent what you just explained medical procedures. Why is this so polarizing? 
Yeah, abortion is probably the most legislated uh, pr procedure, most registered part of medicine um, that is out there, uh, or rather women's health or reproductive health is. It's polarizing because people have very strong opinions and feelings about it. Um, though people are entitled to those feelings and everybody makes different decisions. The problem is when they start to force those decision decisions on um, pregnant people, whether it's in Ohio or nationally. For us, it's in particular, in Ohio. That's the issue. Um, it's polarizing because people, some people feel strongly that nobody should ever have an abortion. Some people feel, oh, you know, some abortions are okay and others are not. But ultimately, that decision is extremely personal. That's a decision between a patient and their physician. That's between them and the legislation or the politicians have just no room um, in dictating how medical care is provided. It is our job to, go, we go to med school, we go to residency, maybe fellowship, we train for years and years to understand what is the best way to manage a condition or best options for patients. Those are evidence-based procedures, evidence-based medicine. Laws just cannot dictate evidence-based medicine, and that decision should be between the patient and their physician. Your day-to-day -day as an OBGYN, um, dealing with these issues, probably really solidifies for you and fellow doctors uh, why passing and saying yes on issue one is so important. Can you tell us some stories or tell us you know, how these interactions with patients have impacted you and maybe what other people should know about what's happening in the hospital? Yeah, so um, at this time, the Ohio's heartbeat bill that was SB 23 um, is enjoined. Um, and it was an absolutely extreme ban on abortion while it was in effect. And um, it had no exceptions for rape incest, um, threat to the, um, and any fetal anomalies. And it basically said, you know, threat to maternal life. Um, why that's difficult is, unfortunately, you know, at the time, there was a big hue and cry about a 10-year-old who'd gone to Indiana for an abortion. That's unfortunately not an uncommon thing that happens in Ohio. Mm. Um, it, I, Honestly, I couldn't tell you how many times I've had to care for patients that are 10, 11, 12, 13 years old wow. coming in um, and pregnant. A lot of times they don't even know it because they haven't even, they're so young, they don't even know what's going on with their body to figure out that they're pregnant. Usually the pregnancy is identified by, um, by their family member. And I've had patients come in um, later on in pregnancy and say, oh, you know, I just found out she was pregnant. She was raped by somebody. And now um, under Ohio's laws, she was required to or forced to continue her pregnancy. Um, there have been times where as a physician, it becomes really difficult. Like there is, there was um, it, the law did allow for threat to maternal life, but it doesn't quite lay out what the extent of that threat needs to be. Mm -hmm. So is it is a 10% risk high enough? Is a 15% risk high enough? Do they have to be dying in front of me for me to make that decision? And that's extraordinary, extraordinarily difficult because those decisions are nuanced, they're personal. Some patients will choose even after we tell them, hey, look, there's a 27% chance you can die in this pregnancy. And they'll say, you know what, I really want this. And we'll help them through it. And for others, hey, a 15% chance I've got three children at home is just too high. 
And the law made it really difficult. Try, you know, it, the law made it hard for physicians to practice medicine, and to the point where we had to call lawyers to make decisions about what we can and cannot do. This seems to go against the Hippocratic oath: do no harm. Correct? Absolutely. So when we come down to it, the decisions that we make, the ethics of medicine, take into account doing no harm, doing the thing that's of be- of the most benefit to the patient. And first and foremost is patient autonomy, which is the patient's ability mm. to choose what they want. These laws go against all of that. Um, we don't give them the choice, first of all. Then even when we do give them the choice, we're forced to give them incorrect information, which will skew their decision making. And forcing them to continue pregnancies that can put their lives at jeopardy, that is us doing harm. And it's just not how we chose to practice medicine. That's a very good point that you make at the end there is that's not how we choose to practice medicine. How do you feel? How does your colleagues feel about this law giving you no options to practice medicine? Um, Angry. frustrated, helpless, uh, and really heartbroken. Hmm. I think those are all the different emotions, and I'm sure there's more. We're angry that uh, lawmakers that have never had to sit in those rooms with patients and have those difficult conversations had the audacity to write these laws. Mm. Heartbroken for our patients who just are stuck with the laws that they're in, these laws that impact the poor minoritized patients more than anybody else, um, and really just helpless to the point where a lot of people I know have considered leaving the state. On the ballot in November is issue one. We're urging people to vote yes. However, it seems as though they made this as confusing as possible. Just a couple months ago, we had a vote no on issue one campaign. Now we have to change it to vote yes. Um, Just a couple months ago, we had certain ballot language, and now we have a totally different wording. And there's a difference between the ballot language and the amendment itself, correct? Can you please go through um, a little bit about the ballot language, uh, the amendment, and a little bit about this SB 23 that you mentioned about? Sure. So, um, yes, of course, it's confusing, because why would they make it easy for us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Why? We're, right. We're <laughs> Why? kind of hoping that some people who said vote yes on issue one for the August election just left their signs up and they're going to help us with some publicity, too. Uh, I don't think I'm that lucky. But um, with this, so the ballot language that so the amendment that's going on on November 7th is an amendment that was a citizen led ballot. And so um, it required 413 something thousand signatures received over 700,000 of which 495,000 were accepted. Mm -hmm. That's the language of the amendment. Um, And that language can be found online. But what's going to be on the ballot that has been recommended um, is totally different. It's misleading and it is um, it's inaccurate. Mm-hmm. And so much so that they, when it went to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court asked them to change portions of the language because they said it was misleading. Now, they didn't ask them to change all of the misleading portions. But it's really important for people to read the actual amendment. So even whatever the ballot language says when people go in to vote, it's it's just for the voting purposes. The actual amendment will be the citizen-led amendment that was passed through the signatures. Mm-hmm. And so you have this uh, Senate Bill 23 that's going through that is a very draconian um, abortion law. And it's possible that it passes before the November election. And this is what you told me. And if 
we do not vote yes in November, this law will stay on the books and continue throughout when, and until forever. Yes. So um, SB 23, Senate Bill 23, was passed in 2019. After the Dobbs decision came down on June 24, 22, the same day, um, the Ohio, uh, they basically put SB 23 into effect. SB 23 was basically a ban of abortions once um, fetal cardiac activity is noted, which is really electrical impulses at that age. And it's at about six weeks. So it was known as the heartbeat bill. That bill was enjoined in September of last year um, after they found that it was probably it was uh, it it was against um, Ohio's constitution, mm. the existing constitution. It's actually they're hearing arguments on it um, today, and um, if it gets reversed, so if the today is September twenty seventh, by the way, just get yeah. everybody know <laughs> today September twenty seventh, and if the Supreme Ohio Supreme Court believes that that injunction was not uh, was not supposed to have been like was not accurate, or I'm not sure what the technical term is, they can reverse that injunction, which can put us back in the world of that SB twenty three, that draconian extreme abortion ban mm -hmm. that can go into effect whenever the Supreme Court decides and that vote on uh, on November 7th is so important because if that goes into effect that's the only thing that's going to reverse it and if we don't pass uh, issue one on November 7th at any point we have the possibility that we could go back under SB 23 so mm -hmm. this really protects the citizens of Ohio to have the ability to choose their reproductive um, futures with their physicians. Dr. Maholtra, I want to say thank you very much for coming on the show and, you know, talking about your experiences. Uh, issue one, and making sure that we get the word out to vote yes. You do a lot with the community. You do a lot for, um, in general, you are a policy advocate, candidate advocate, community advocate. Where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Um, they can find me online on Twitter. Um, they can um, find me on Facebook as well. And what's your handle? At uh, Tani Malhotra, MD. <laughs> that, that was pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me.